Good morning. It is good to have you here as it is every Sunday. And I just want to, first of all, let's do a sound check. Can you hear okay? They had a program in here last week, and so sometimes the sound things get changed up. I just want to make sure we're good, okay? Second thing I want to say is next week, do not miss it, okay? Let me put it into positive spin. Next week, be here, okay? Be here. Do uh, you remember last Christmas we did something special on Christmas Sunday? We're going to do something special on Thanksgiving Sunday. So love to see you here. That's all I'm going to say about that, okay? Now, we listen to songs throughout the year, and every season has its kind of songs, right? Think of different seasons. Think of the songs that get played, different festive songs, especially during the holiday season of Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's a time when the radio stations pull out their, their songs that haven't been played for the last 10 months, and we get to hear those good Christmas songs for the next couple months. Some of you just can't wait for it, so you've already started, right? That's the way some of you are. Now, although those songs are sung during one season, we become very familiar with those tunes, with those lyrics. Let me give you an example, okay? I'm going to start the song. You're going to finish the phrase. You're only going to use three words, okay? I'm not, I'm sort of like the children. Everybody understand? Yes, okay, good, okay. By the way, if that ever happens when I'm preaching, I say, got it, and you, you just look at me and say, no, okay? That's all right. I can go back. Not yet. I haven't started. <laughs> I can go back to Scripture. I want to make sure God's Word is clear. I'll make sure God's Word is clear. Okay, so I'll start the song. You're just going to give me three words and finish the phrase. Okay, here we go. Over the river and... Very good. That's what I'm talking about. It's a song. It's actually a Thanksgiving song. Uh, by Lydia Marie Child. Uh, that was not really a Christmas song. It was a Thanksgiving song. But when we come to certain songs, you already know because you've heard the tune how it's supposed to go. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. I was sitting in the chiropractor's office the other day, and Christmas music was playing. Okay? I tried hard this week to start listening to Christmas music. I really did. Turned the radio station, heard a Christmas song... Not yet. Not yet. Maybe next, this week. Maybe this week. But here I am in the office. I have no choice now. I'm listening to a Christmas song, and I literally had one lady on this side of me and one lady on this side of me. She was singing right along. She knew all the songs. She loved Christmas music. And this lady over here, these, this was her exact phrase. This is exactly what she said, little quotations. Humbug. <laughs> She's singing. She goes, humbug. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> so we started this little conversation about Christmas. And it was, it was rather fun. But here's the thing. We're in the same office. We're in the same room. We're from the same part of the state. Living, breathing creatures of God, okay? But yet, uh, we are completely different attitudes towards a song. I want you to think about this. We are God's people gathered here this morning. Similarities, no doubt, surround us this morning, Okay? Yet each of us faces pains that have been packaged differently. No matter how it's packaged, no matter how it's described, pain is pain, and that stinks. That's just the way it is. And we try to cover coat it sometimes and make it sound good, but it's still horrible. Okay? 
and we all react differently to life circumstances, some of us can really find good reason to sing, and others of us, we don't even want to hum a tune. That's just sort of the way it goes. And I think about this, how in front of us lies so much hope. And, and, and around us, we have so many blessings. And really, behind us in our past, we have really good memories. We are a blessed people. And last week, you know, even though all that surrounds us, it's still hard to give thanks. And last week, we looked at Psalm 100. And we talked about how to give thanks and why we should give thanks. So this week, I thought, you know what? Let's get specific. Let, let's narrow this down. Okay, we know as God's people, we need to give thanks. We know how we're supposed to give thanks. But today, I want to narrow this down to one thing. I want you to be able to walk out of here this morning looking at God's Word and finding a song of thanks. That's one way to express thanksgiving is a song. As I start off saying, when you hear a tune, you right away go to a season, a time in your life maybe. And so I want you to find a song this morning so that when, when we can't sing because maybe the pain is so big, at least maybe we can hear the tune and allow that song to infiltrate us and to saturate our hearts and our soul and keep us moving forward in life. Are you following me so far? Yeah. As God's people journeyed through life, God's people discovered this, that the life of a believer is marked by a long journey of obedience in the same direction. If you think you show up at a church or you go to a Christian bookstore and you found the new thing, it's not a new thing. Your journey and my journey as a believer in Jesus Christ is in the same direction. It's a matter of obedience. We'll discover new things along the way, but it's never, oh, well, here's the new way to follow God. It's always a matter of obedience. It's not difficult to get people interested in, in the message of the gospel. It's sustaining that interest in the gospel, is it not? Everybody loves it. You know, and I've got the high schoolers down here this morning. Thank you for being front and center. This was, must have been a discussion on Wednesday night about this happening. I got a, uh, somebody asked me this week, you okay if a couch shows up Sunday morning in the front row? And I, I said, why is there a couch going to be in the front row? Because there's going to be high schoolers in it. Oh, so that means the high schoolers are not going to be in the back row and spattered throughout. They're all going to be up front. Bring it on. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm glad you guys are up front. Now I can see you when you start nodding off. So you won't nod off. You never do. You guys are great. You guys are great. Glad to have you up here. But I want you to think about this. As high schoolers, when you first make it onto a team, or it's the beginning of a season, or whatever it may be, it's exciting. For those of you that are sports fans, you can't wait for the beginning of the season because you know why? Because your team's undefeated, right? You're zero and zero, okay? You've not lost yet, so it's exciting. But halfway through the season when you're at 500, you know, maybe you've got like three wins and four losses or two wins and six losses or maybe you haven't had a win yet. You know how hard it is to finish that season? It is so hard. That's the life of a believer. When we first give our lives to Jesus Christ, we're excited to live for God. But as your journey continues in obedience, it gets harder. And to finish strong is always tough. It's a long journey. 
So along this journey in living for our God, we need encouragement. Look at the person next to you. Tell them we need encouragement. Tell them that. So we need encouragement. Encouragement comes in different ways. So this morning, we're going to find encouragement through a song. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 121. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll bring you a Bible. Psalm 121. This, and it's funny, I opened up my Bible when I first started studying this, and I wrote in red letters, awesome psalm to remind teenagers who made commitment. And I thought, why did I write that down? I don't know. Then as I started studying, it made a little more sense as to why I wrote that. But I love going back through the Bible, and as you do this on your journey, write notes. So as you come back to certain scripture, you can sort of remember what God was doing at your life at that point in time. Psalm 121, this is a set of psalms. Actually, there's 15 songs or psalms in this section, starting in Psalm 120. They're called the songs, S-O-N-G-S, of ascent. Now, these psalms were songs. Oh boy, this is like a tongue. I need like to spell this out, I feel like. They were sung by the uh, Jewish pilgrims as they made their way to Jerusalem for three annual festivals, the Passover, Pentecost, and the Day of Atonement. So you can imagine as these, these pilgrims, these people of God, came to Jerusalem, they came from all different directions, three times out of the year for these major holidays, they sang these psalms in celebration and preparation. So if you start reading Psalm 120 and read through Psalm 134, these are the songs that they sang along the way. Joseph and Mary, if you remember when Jesus was a little child and they went to Jerusalem, Joseph and Mary would have been singing this song as they walked to Jerusalem. Matter of fact, Jesus, as he was older and with his disciples, as they traveled to Jerusalem, they would have sung these psalms. Some were joyful. Some were marked with sadness. But they were sung on a long journey. There were no real roads. It was not like today where you get in your minivans and your cars and you crank up the radio, the kids put on their earphones, and you get all kinds of music going, and they just sort of sit back and listen, right? You're walking on well-trodden paths. There were no paved roads. You're going across valleys. You're, you're traveling during the day when it's hot and you had no air conditioning. You're traveling at night when it was dark and you couldn't see where you were stepping. You had no idea what kind of animals or thieves might be hiding behind rocks. It was a dangerous travel. You'd have sore feet. You'd have muscles that ached. They experienced these hot days, dark nights, all this peril. The journey wasn't easy. Repeat after me. The journey wasn't easy. Absolutely not easy. But what an incredible descriptive picture of our journey in life. You think about this. In our times, our life is this pilgrimage of trying to live for God. And we have things that always come along. And, and for some reason, we still have in our mind that the way of a Christian, the way of a believer, is a path of comfort. We already talked about what the cross is. It's not a path of comfort, is it? And yet they sung these 15 songs on the way to Jerusalem as they walked through the dark and, and the day and the heat. And their bodies were aching, their feet were sore. 
They sang these songs as they went to Jerusalem. And Psalm 121 is an incredible song that was sung most likely, and it's, again, people are trying to figure out when they sang this particular song, but many believe it was the night or the day before they arrived at Jerusalem. They're getting close to Jerusalem, and they look up to where the city would be. You have to understand, Jerusalem was not near a major river, like many other national capitals. It wasn't located by a port of a sea or, or an ocean where ships would come in. It was one of the, the major cities that was very much in an obscure place. It, it, it didn't have all those other things. It was off the beaten path. All it had was hills and mountains. The city stood on a rocky plateau 3,800 feet above the Dead Sea. So you can imagine, when they walked up to Jerusalem, they went up. When we say, I'm going up to Michigan, we're thinking, I'm going north, right? But when you say, I'm going up to Jerusalem, you're literally walking uphill to the city. So when we look at Psalm 121, and this, this psalm writer sings this song, he starts off singing, I look up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Does it come from there? So you can imagine as they're singing, walking up these hills, where does my help come from? From up there? That's sort of pictures as they sing it. Let's, let's read on. I'd say let's sing on, but I don't know how they sang it. I'm not going to attempt it. So let's read on. Psalm 121, verse 1. I look to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. He will not let you stumble and fall. The one who watches over you will not sleep. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never tires and never sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not hurt you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord keeps you from all evil and preserves your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go both now and forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an incredible song that was sung as people came to worship you. I'm sure the journey was rough for them, Lord. I'm sure it was perilous. I'm sure they were tired. I'm sure they had a lot going on in their life as they left their homes to journey for this celebration, this holiday. But as they journeyed, they sang. They sang this song. Lord, help us to catch a glimpse of what this psalm means today so that we too can have a song to sing for thanksgiving. In our name we pray, amen. Let's understand a few things about this song. As a psalm singer says, My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. Let's understand this. The writer is not worshiping the hills or the mountains. How, how many, let's see a show of hands. How many of you love the mountains? How many of you have, you know, pictures of mountains? You actually love the mountains? Okay, good. I love the mountains too. I, I love pictures of mountains. I, when I go on vacation, if I go somewhere where there's mountains, I'll take pictures of mountains, 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 mountains. And more pictures and more pictures. Back in the day when they had 35 millimeter film, oh, that killed me on developing cost. <laughs> I'd have all these rolls of film to develop. And you know what they were pictures of? Mountains. When you get home and you look at the pictures, oh, there's a mountain. There, there's a mountain. There's another mountain from a different angle. Another mountain. Why did I take so many pictures? They looked all the same. It was so different when you looked at it in person and live. 
But when you look on your pictures, it's like, I have 300 pictures of the same mountain. Oh, why did I do that? What I had to realize and understand was, and, and for me, it wasn't about the mountain itself. It was about the creator of the mountain. I love looking at God's creation, understanding that it's not about the mountain. It's about the one who made the mountain. The psalm writer here says, as he looks up to the mountains, he's not worshiping the mountain. He's not worshiping the hills that surround. He's worshiping the creator. My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth is what verse 2 says. And sometimes I need that reminder. I need a reminder of how big God is. Before I lecture God and tell God, God, don't you know what's going on in my life? God, can't you see what's going on over here? There's a lot of times I look at life and I, and I want to tell God, God, really? Do you get it? He gets it. Sometimes when I want to go to a, I remember back in the day, I wanted to go to my teacher. Teacher, don't you get it? You know? Don't you know the paper I just wrote was awesome? It deserves an A, and you gave me a C. Obviously, you're not a good teacher, okay? Do you remember those days? We, we, maybe we do that now with our employers and, and different people in our life, maybe our spouses. Obviously, you don't know that I'm a good cook. You're not eating it like you should. I made good food, you know, and your spouse is going, <clears throat> order out, two words, okay? Um, we have that thing of, don't you get this? Sometimes I need a reminder that God gets it, that God is big. I was reading about the sun. I was thinking about this. God's the one who created the sun. I want you to think about the sun, okay? You walk out of here today, we get to see the sun today. So it's a nice, bright, sunny day, okay? Understand this, that that ball of fire, astronomers classify it as a star, a moderate star. Not a small, not a huge star, but a moderate star on, the, on a stellar scale, okay? It has a diameter of 864,000 miles, but it's all gas. Can you imagine? 864,000 miles across, and it's this big ball of gas. Two billion, billion, billion tons of gas, okay? Or matter. And the only thing that keeps the sun's core from collapsing is the energy. Inconceivable floods of energy that raises the sun's internal core temperature to 25 million degrees Fahrenheit. Whew, can somebody say hot? Yeah, 25 million degrees Fahrenheit. Now that's consuming, understand, it's consuming 657 million tons of hydrogen each second. And it said that the sun can go on burning for another 50 million years. Now, or 50 billion years. That's just one moderate star. The amount of energy being put into all the suns and stars and the multiple galaxies is beyond human understanding, is it not? When you think about that, a God who has that kind of energy and creative power, he's not napping. He's not forgetting our problems. He's not laying on a couch, kicked back, saying, oh, what's going on in so-and-so's life? A God that can create something like that, and there's so many more, he has a watchful eye on us. So the writer of the psalm says, you know, I look up to the mountains. Is that where my help comes from? No. My help comes from the maker and the creator of the heavens and the earth. The one who has a sun in one solar system, 864,000 miles across. That's God. I worship him. 
He will not let you stumble. If you read on, it says, He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over us doesn't lay on a couch and sleep. He's awake. He's alive. Six times in this psalm, the writer sings that God's watching over us. Read through it. Check it out. Look at verses 5 and 6. The Lord himself watches over you. You may have a different word. It might be protect. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day or the moon by night. You know, you can imagine in, in the Middle East and actually the Near East with, with where this was located, the genuine danger of sunstroke of the hot regions here. No doubt about it. You know, we, what do we do? Sunscreen, right? Put on hats. We find shade. We have all those protective devices to protect us from the harm and the heat. What's protecting us? Did you, did you get on, you know, SPF 62, 5,000? You know, all these numbers on these squirts and put them all over us and umbrellas. And we're trying to do everything we can to protect us. We understand that we do not want to get burned or scorched or dehydrated, right? The psalmist uses this figurative language basically saying that God is protecting us, watching over us. Nothing in the day or nothing in the night can come to us when God is protecting us, when he's keeping guard. God's covering against all these calamities. He's our shade against the visible perils of the day as well as the hidden perils of the night. For this reason, the psalmist continues to sing. I mean, you think about this. They're walking through the heat of the day. They're walking through the dark of the night. So as they sing these songs, it's really meaningful to them. Just as maybe we would sing over the river and through the woods, right? We're driving down the highway. We drive through different scenery. We see it. It's like, oh, yeah, that song makes sense. This psalm should make sense. The Lord keeps you from all harm, verse 7, and watches over your life. Verse 8, the Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. For those who sang these songs on their journey throughout this time or another, they had to start thinking through a little more as they sang and sang. And then along came another person who said, you know what, as I sang that song on my way to Jerusalem, God spoke to me and I need to write something else. Paul was one of those. Now, why Paul wrote what he did in the book of Romans, chapter 8, I don't know. It could be many reasons. But I know in Romans, chapter 8, verses 35 to 39, we find a similar scripture being written that could be sung as a song. Let me read it to you. Romans 8, 35 to 39. Can anything separate us from the love of Jesus Christ? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity in our life or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? I mean, as the scriptures say, for your sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. Paul goes on to say, no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus Christ, who loved us. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor our fears of today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. 
no power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Paul sings that song, and maybe he didn't sing it, but he wrote it out, saying, what's going to separate us from God's love? Nothing. Look at the person next to you and say, nothing separates us. But let me ask you something. Now let's be real, okay? You hear me be preachy, preachy at you, but let's be real. Doesn't it feel sometimes like we're separated from God's love? Aren't there moments in your life when you sort of wonder, God, where's your love today? I mean, it's, it's, is it actually true that, you know, we'll be protected from all harm if God is with us? You know, I think sometimes we as Christians, we're accused of not being realistic in our faith. You know, when it comes to facing life's difficulties. Oh, you Christians, you're always so positive, so hopeful. So, like, you give your life to Jesus Christ and follow him, all your troubles are wiped away, right? And if they aren't, where's your God now? Psalm 121 says this. Look at this again. My help comes from the Lord. What is that acknowledging? That we're going to need help on this journey. Does it not? If we didn't need help, the psalmist would have never sang that song. My help is from the Lord. Well, why are you singing that? Because I need help. I'm on a journey. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to worship God. But on my journey, I need help. Just as you and I, on our journey of obedience, of a lifetime of obedience, of living for Jesus Christ, we need help. We need help. When it speaks of God watching over our night and day, what does that imply? We need watching. We need somebody to protect us. If I need somebody to protect us, what does that mean? Probably means that I'm going to be attacked at times. Probably means I'm going to have things come my way that I can't handle. I need God watching over me. When Paul wrote Romans 8, he lists all these things that will attempt to separate us from God's love. Think about these things that's going to separate us from God's love. Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, death. He lists all these things. Every danger Paul spoke of, guess what? He experienced those himself. Paul wasn't sitting, you know, on a cushion, sipping a latte, writing, oh, well, you know, in times of danger and trouble, nothing can separate me from God's love. Mm. Not thirst, not hunger. Oh. Paul didn't write it like that. Paul went through all those things. And he said, you know what? Everything I went through, you know what? God was still there with me. Nothing separated me from his love. The point of Psalm 121 is, is not that we'll not have problems, but that God will keep us safe as we go through these problems. We've got to learn to sing through those tough times. We've got to learn a song. Eugene Patterson wrote this, and I want to read this. Um, when I was studying about the songs of ascent, he wrote this about these psalms. The Christian life is not a quiet escape to a garden. We can walk and talk uninterruptedly with our Lord, nor is the Christian life a fantasy trip to a heavenly city where we can compare blue ribbons and gold medals with those who made it to the winner's circle. The Christian life is going to God. And in going to God, 
Christians travel the same ground that everyone else walks on. We breathe the same air, drink the same water, shop in the same stores, we read the same newspapers, we're citizens under the same government, we pay the same prices for groceries and gasoline, we fear the same dangers, we're subject to the same pressures, we get the same distresses, we're buried in the same ground. The difference is that each step we walk, each breath we breathe, we know we are preserved by God, we know we are accompanied by God, we know we are ruled by God, and therefore no matter what doubts we endure, what accidents we experience, the Lord will preserve us from evil and keep our life. What an incredible thing that was written there. How true. You know, there's more psalms to be read. I love, do me a favor, okay? Read Psalm 124 later today. And let me give you a quick synopsis. It starts off, what if the Lord had not been on our side? Let all Israel repeat, what if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us? And the psalm goes on to talk about all these things that come upon our life. All these things, rivers and, and, and teeth of, of an animal just sort of engulfed. And think about this. What if God wasn't on our side? We got trouble, but what if God wasn't with us in that trouble? Oh, Daniel got tossed in the lion's den. What if God decided not to close the mouths of those lions? See, we always look at, well, I can't believe I had to go through this, but what if God wasn't there with you through that? I don't know how people make it through tough times without God. I really don't. That's why we pray for each other in, in tough times, because we know that we need God's help on our side. I don't know how people make it through relationship issues without God on their side. What if God didn't rescue us from those things? What if God didn't send Jesus to save us from our sins? What if God let the full force of this physical world just hit us? We'd be in trouble. What if God did not save us from evil? If the Lord had not been on our side, then we would have perished. But the Lord is on our side. Therefore, we'll praise Him. Understand this, God is on our side. So we can walk on this ascent, on this journey, and sing songs to Him. S singing is our way of expressing thanks to God. And as you can imagine, as those pilgrims journeyed their way to Jerusalem, they sang songs like this, and they sang the song of 121. And where does our help come from? Maker of heaven and earth. He protects us. He watches over us. And even though sometimes it doesn't feel the way He is, and, and I believe as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to express that. We, we can keep getting better at that. I, you know, I think about this. You ever been in a store that sets out those free samples of food? Whether it's Sam's or Costco or wherever it may be, Anderson's. You know, I enjoy going there around mealtimes because they're cooking up their little stands and they've got their little displays. They're like, would you want one? Oh, sure. You know, we, we all know when we go in, we're expecting to have free samples, but we act like, oh, really? I get to have? Oh, thank you. We go in expecting, right? When we go to Anderson's, we'll eat somewhere, and we'll go to Anderson's. We'll walk around and get the free fruit. Right? We'll go to the deli, check out the sausage, 
You know, walk by the, del- the bakery. It's like, oh, sure, I'll try that cookie. Because we know those are samples. Now, why do they put those samples there? To entice you and to encourage you to buy into their product, right? They understand that those free samples are, are something that should, you know, want you to have more. Guess who we are as children of God? That's us. We're the expressions of a mighty God. We're the free samples of a living Savior. When people see us, they should be able to say, Oh, now I understand a little more about the God you serve. When we sing, you know, if we sing like this, hands in a pocket, like, Awesome wonder. Okay, when's the last time you said awesome with your head down in your hands in your pocket? That's awesome. Okay, doesn't that drive you crazy when somebody gets up front and they're like, so glad you're here today. Really? You don't look like it. You look like you're mad that I'm here today. You know, that's the way it is. So when we sing awesome wonder, think about awesome wonder. What does that mean? How about 846,000 miles across us under? Awesome wonder. Okay? This week, Ohio and Michigan, Ohio State and Michigan will be playing each other. Many of you are going to be expressing yourself by the colors you wear, right? You will be, yeah, I know, it's coming. You're going to be expressing yourself visibly with those colors, with those cheers for the big game, right? Okay. Guess what? Your words, your actions express your belief. It gives evidence to what you really cheer for, right? All I'm asking, all I'm encouraging you with as God's people, start expressing your allegiance to God with song. Songs of thanksgiving. I know sometimes it's so hard to express your faith. Psalm 71, I want to read this to you. Psalm 71, verses 14 to 18 says this. But I will keep on hoping for your help. I will praise you more and more. I will tell everyone about your righteousness. All day long, I will proclaim your saving power. Though I'm not skilled with words, I will praise your mighty deeds. O sovereign Lord, I will tell everyone that you alone are just. O God, you've taught me from my earliest childhood. I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you did. Now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles for all to come after. The writer of this psalm says this, I will. I'm taking personal responsibility for my faith. I will tell, I will proclaim, I will sing a new song. I will. This morning I want to encourage you again. We know that we need to give God thanks and we know sometimes how to give thanks. And as I said earlier, find a song of thanks. Find that one song that in the midst of everything that's going on around you, you know that you can still walk in that journey on those steps with God in your life of obedience and say, if I can't sing it and proclaim it now, I can at least hum it. If I can't hum it, I'm just going to listen to it and let it saturate my soul. But singing a song of thanks is a great way to express who we are as believers in Christ. Let's not miss that opportunity to sing. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome and incredible God you are. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the songs and the psalms that were written for us to be reminded that our help comes from you. You are a mighty God. You knew we were going to need help. You knew we were going to need protection. 
And so we needed this reminder to sing this song. Lord, we thank you for this upcoming week that we get to express thanksgiving. There's a lot of things we can focus on that we probably not thankful for, but Lord, this week help us to get our focus on the things that we can be thankful for. If our hearts are breaking right now, then thank you so much that we got to taste love. If our pockets are a little empty right now, thank you, Lord, that we at least have pockets. Lord, if you're in this room today, we get to be thankful that we have a family, that there are other people that worship you, that we get to stand beside and sing together. We do have things to be thankful for. And even even though this isn't Easter, we get to still be thankful for your son dying on the cross to give us eternal life when we believe in him. Thank you, God. I pray we spend this week singing to you. Thy name we pray, amen.